Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello, and welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. We've been toying around with an idea for a while where Mindy and I interview someone on our show who isn't exactly a fan of horror movies, just to see what they have to say on the subject. We decided to turn it into a bit of an experiment after I had a recent conversation with my sister-in-law. I found out that she has never seen any of the classic horror movies like Halloween, a Nightmare on Elm Street, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I honestly thought that everyone had seen these movies, whether they liked horror or not, just because they're classics, especially in this genre, but I was wrong. Uh, so today <laughs> we are going to be talking with Jessica, my sister-in-law, about her thoughts on horror movies in general. We have a bunch of questions for her that we are dying to know the answers to. Then she will watch five classic horror movies that we have chosen, and we will interview her again to talk to her about her thoughts on those films. Uh, But through the magic of editing, thank you, Spencer, uh, you will hear a pre and post interview with her all in one episode. So the movies that we chose are as follows, Psycho, Halloween, Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So without further ado, Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I'm so scared right now. Just thinking about this experience. You haven't watched any movies yet. You shouldn't be scared yet. (laughs) Just anticipation. All right, Jessica, are you ready for your first question? Yes. Here we go. What is your definition of a horror movie? Hmm. Well, I think I'm just going to say anything that freaks me out. I mean, I think I, I maybe I'm going to have to go back and listen to more podcasts that you guys have done to find out the actual definition. <laughs> but I, I've seen quite a few movies that have freaked me out that maybe don't go under your classification. But I, I so I'm going to go with that is my definition. I was going to say there really is no wrong answer to that question because it's different for everybody. So I like that answer, actually. And anything that freaks you out. Um, so you said you've seen some horror movies. Approximately how many horror movies would you say that you've seen in your life? Well, as I started to go back and think about the movies that have scared me, I feel like I've actually seen a lot. Now, I mean, I totally understand that a lot compared to you guys a lot is really not a lot <laughs> at all. But I was thinking about the first movie that really scared me was a Disney movie called The Watcher in the Woods. And so and that movie really freaked me out as a kid. But I don't think it goes under that classification of a horror movie. Okay, so how many horror movies have I seen? I don't know, like maybe like 15, maybe. I don't know. Well, that's more than I was thinking because you said you're not a horror fan. So cool. Okay, well, I've been I've been coerced on quite a few occasions. (laughs) And you're about to add five more to that list. So. Maybe we'll turn you into a horror fan yet. We'll see. So or not at all. We'll or find not out at what all. Happens. Or maybe we'll traumatize you and have to pay for your therapy. <laughs> Can I quote you on that? Yes. Nah, no. <laughs> Spencer, edit that out now. Put it in writing. It never happened. Um, uh, dear Patreon subscribers, <laughs> we need your help to pay for justice therapy. <laughs> Go Just fund kidding. me, please, and thank you. <laughs> so, do you think you have? actively avoid watching scary movies because you don't like them or are they just not your jam why have you only seen 15 and not any of the classics that you're about to watch yeah I think I have avoided them um 
you know, oftentimes Mark will come home with a horror movie and he's like, we're watching this. And then it's just like, I have to get on board and go with, go get on the ride. Um, but I would never pick something like that to watch. What is the, or why do you think that it, is it because you don't like being scared? Is it because you don't like gore or violence in your films or? Yeah, I think it's the gore and violence aspect of those kind of horror movies that I just feel like, ugh, I don't need to subject myself to that. That's just gratuitous. It's just not necessary. It's just not even, It's I don't need it, right? It's like I want to be inspired when I watch a movie or I want to have some kind of ideas about something new. And so, I don't know, maybe I need to open my mind. So what about other movies that have violence? Like, would you watch, do you watch Quentin Tarantino movies? Like, what is your thoughts on that type of violence in movies? That's a really good question. I have loved Quentin Tarantino movies. And I feel like I always have to go into it going, I know, okay, everybody's going to be dead in the first scene. <laughs> I know that, like, you know, I know how gross it's going to be. So it's like a, like a psyching up that I have to do, like, okay, this is going to be okay. But I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't seek out the experience. And I think I've only seen horror movies from the comfort of my home. I can't think of one horror movie I've seen in the theater. Okay. So, Quentin Tarantino, that now does the violence and blood in that movie turn you off at all? Are you like grossed out by it? Does it bother you or is it because there's much more of a complex storyline behind his films and um, you know, it's just his style is so different than anyone else. It's you're watching like a real art piece when you watch his films. Are you able to kind of um, just accept the violence as being more like artistic, I guess? I think that might be true. I might have to watch another movie just to get a, a sense of that again. But yes, I feel like he's able to take me into his world in some way where I'm willing to uh, to accept the nastiness of it or I'm willing to be in the gore because I'm so interested in where it's going Mm -hmm. and what these characters are trying to tell me okay yeah fair enough one thing I wanted to say is to be fair a horror movie doesn't have to be gory to be scary or to be considered a horror movie so just to keep that in mind because I have like this whole other list for you Jess that like (laughs) doesn't is not half as gory as what has been chosen for you but (laughs) Um, we'll get you through the classics and then maybe we could do a part two where like, here's what the classics did to inspire mm. newer horror make horror filmmakers. And I promise they're not the ones I had in mind are not all necessarily gory. So, um, you mentioned Watcher in the Woods from Disney, but like, um, what, so, so say Mark brought a horror movie home. Can you remember what like the last horror movie was that you watched? Okay. With them at home? Sure. I'll name a few and I can't remember the order. But we watched Heredity. Hereditary. We, Hereditary. Hereditary? Mm-hmm. Okay. We watched Babadook. Uh-huh. The Babadook. Yes. The Babadook. Yeah. That was fucked up. <laughs> I did not like that. Um, we watched, you didn't? Okay. No. Put a pin in that. <laughs> okay. We watched, um, um, of course, Us and... What was the other Get one out. he did? Get Out, which I yeah. I thought Get Out was incredibly genius. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I didn't think Us was as great, but it definitely freaked me out. Um, oh my gosh, there was another movie that I cannot. Maybe you can remember what this is. It was with Katie Holmes, and they move <laughs> into a house, and there's freaky stuff, ghosty stuff. 
what was that oh. movie? Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's not scary stories because that's it's based on a book like that. I feel like a childhood book. Like is but, it? Yeah. I, oh, I don't want to read that. <laughs> oh, I'm that. trying. To, I'm having Spencer look it up right now because I I'm it's escaping my mind at the moment. Okay, yeah. and we watched as a family gremlins which i would say is a family horror movie true i I agree i would agree yeah so what can i ask like what didn't why didn't you like the babadook because that's actually one of my favorite newer horror movies i love that director (laughs) okay i'm sorry mindy no there's a few reasons why i think i'm genuinely curious to know because i have some ideas so that's why i'm asking like don't apologize it's subjective honey (laughs) you know i think I've got to say, I think I blocked most of that movie out. I don't remember most of what happened, but I think as a parent, as a mother with a child, when I watched that movie, that is the most frightening um, series of feelings that a mother can have. And yeah. I just, oh, it was a lot. Yeah. The one thing I will say is that I was talking to a friend of mine who's very well read and much smarter than me, and she freaked out. She loved that movie, and I liked it too, but she was just like, oh, but think about it, Mindy. Every woman has a Babadook she has to feed in the basement. And I was like, holy shit. That like blew it wide open <laughs> for me, and I had to watch it again, but... Uh, yeah, but I hear you about that. And that was what I was thinking, too, is that, like, thematically, it is really hard, like, whether you have a child or not, to even think about being in her position. But um, what did you think of Hereditary? Since we're talking about moms. Yes, I was going to say that, too, because that... Can I say what happens in the movie? Is that a yes. lot on this yep. podcast? Spoiler, okay. spoiler alert. We've spoiled this, too, anyway. <laughs> okay. The fact that the daughter gets decapitated, right... And I have to say, my friend who loves horror movies, who should be here with me, um, she told me that the child dies of a peanut allergy. And my friend has a daughter who has a peanut allergy. And this was pretty scary for her, but she loves horror movies. And this genre is very, it, it allowed her to experience a lot of her own fears and, you know, process a lot of that. Anyway, she she warned me, so I knew this kid was going to die. I did not know that was how it was going to happen. And I think there (laughs) is something really interesting to me about the fact that they cast this little girl who is kind of odd-looking and unusual as an actor, like not the kind of person that we are accustomed to seeing in Hollywood, and Mm. and that we weren't really allowed to love her as the way they created her as a character. We didn't feel really like she was likable and we weren't like she wasn't appealing in this way that made it somehow less horrific that she died in that horrible way it is kind of a kick to the gut though because you totally don't see it coming and then you're like wait did that just happen yeah like you have to almost watch it again to really see how horrible it is. So you're like, does she survive this and then die of a peanut allergy? What is going on? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And I kept thinking she was going to die in the car. And, oh, my gosh. And then the kid goes back home and gets back in bed. Oh, my God. It was just pretty awful. But I was caught up in that story. I actually, and I think yes. part of that is the acting and the story building and the character development. Yeah. And if you look it up online, you can fall down a good internet rabbit hole about Ooh. the symbolism in that movie. Um, because 
last podcast on the left actually did an entire episode just talking about the symbol like there's i've watched that movie like five times and same thing i'll try to like look for the details they talk about and then even before i get halfway through i'm just in it because i'm like following the story and i like the characters and i forget to look for all the cool stuff but apparently yeah there's a lot of so if you want to Fun to do some digging, maybe something to look into, but uh, yeah, cool. We were fans of that movie, so I had to. I wanted to know what you thought. Enough. I I was interested enough that I want to see his other movies. Oh, so you've not seen Midsummer yet? No. Okay. And I would. Ooh. I would watch it. I think you might enjoy that. I think Mark, that's your partner. I think he would really enjoy that. Um, yeah, when you yeah. watch that, let us know. I'm very <laughs> very curious. I'll put it at the end of my list. Because my brother and his wife, who also do not watch horror movies, they just watch that because um, they thought it was like us, a movie about a summer camp. Like a like a <laughs> A comedy drama, like a dramedy about like a wet, summer hot camp. American summer. And they were so far off. And he texted me like a half hour into it and was like, have you seen Midsummer?" I'm like, yes, <laughs> of course we've seen Midsummer. You know, it was one of our favorite movies of last year. And I was like, wait, you're watching Midsummer? Like you hate horror movies. Oh, wow. And he's oh. like, yeah, I thought it was a summer camp movie. I was like, okay. Text me when you're done. <laughs> but he actually really enjoyed it. They both did. So Interesting. Yeah. Interesting that your brother hates horror movies. He does. He's like the opposite of me in so many ways, but we there's a lot we have in common. Um it's yeah. It's amusing. <laughs> so Jessica, what is the scariest movie that you think you've ever seen and, and why? I, I didn't prepare for this answer. <laughs> Crap. Um <laughs> Well, okay, I think that maybe the, the Babadook was maybe the answer to that. I think it was more my, I don't know if it was the scariest, but maybe my repulsion was the greatest. And I think I've probably seen movies that scared me personally more too. And I, and I'm, I'm, maybe we can come back to that because I haven't, I haven't, I don't yeah. have an answer yet. We'll come back to that. Okay. We'll let you marinate on that for a bit. But if you had to choose a type of scary movie that you, would rather watch, would you pick a movie about ghosts and the paranormal? Or do you think you're more, I'm, I'm going to say no, but I'm going to ask it anyway, more of a <laughs> psycho killer slasher film kind of gal? Or maybe like a monster movie where there's werewolves, vampires, or some other creature? Or do you think maybe a psychological horror movie like Silence of the Lambs or even, I guess, Hereditary would fall under that category, psychological horror? Yeah, I think I think definitely psychological horror is much more interesting to me. I think sort of getting into the minds of the characters in that way. Um, I, Silence of the Lambs, certainly. I loved that movie. And, um, oh, I had another movie like that that came into my mind, but I can't think of it. But yes, and I, and I, I do have interest in watching the paranormal and, you know, ghost story kind of movies. I, I mean, I think Poltergeist was probably a huge movie uh, in my childhood, sort of a formative kind of storyline. And um, I I think, I don't know if you can like remove this piece later if this is <laughs> tangential, but um, the main actress, totally blanking on her, Heather O'Rourke, she, th there was, I auditioned to be the back of her head in a like a poster because I had <gasps> long blonde hair like her. Oh my God. And of For course- For the third movie. 
Yes. Sorry. Yes. I totally just cut you off. But I'm. A, we did a, a, a. Oh, I talked about her recently on one of our episodes, and I, Sharon and I, but me so me, I think more so. We're like, I was like obsessed with her when I was little. And I think I was too, for this reason probably. And the Poltergeist three movie is the back of her head with the standing in front of the Hancock building. Oh. Yeah, that was one that was filmed in Chicago. So maybe yeah. that was why they were thinking of casting a local kid because they didn't want to pay her <laughs> for this <laughs> ad because she was probably much more expensive. She was sadly no longer alive. So um. No, <laughs> I don't think that was the case at this time. Well, we'll have to look into it. I Anyway, she was very much a part of my consciousness and the movie was as well. So what happened? Do you, you went to the audition and... Oh, I didn't get it. Aw. <laughs> I think you should have got it. <laughs> Too bad. Um, all right. So, yeah, I we both like psychological horror movies a lot. So I would probably have to say I lean more towards the ghost stories. But there's certainly a, a good blend of a psychological ghost. You know, is it in your head? Is it, you know, something supernatural? Um, so, yeah, if you are interested, we can definitely give you a list of more movies. Yeah. To watch. Yeah, let's take uh, this first round and see how it goes. Yeah. (laughs) See if I'm still here. I mean, we gave you, unfortunately, mostly the psycho killer slasher films, but uh, (laughs) I think those are kind of fun. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, again, Sharon and I were watching Freddy Krueger when we were like eight years old. So is that when those movies came out? No, I think they came out. Early, like the first movie came out, what early, like eighty? Well, Psycho, Psycho was in the sixties, and then, well, yeah. Um, I think Friday the Thirteenth was that eighty? That was nineteen eighty. I think seventy eight yeah. was Halloween. I think eighty four was Nightmare on Elm Street, and then Texas Chainsaw. I think was also like seventy eight. I'll be honest, I've only I think seen Texas Chainsaw maybe once all the way through. What? But it. It, just because it's it's so much, but I do think it's worth seeing if you're someone like Jess who's like, I want to do or I'm being coerced to do this experiment. <laughs> Let's be clear. And, and like, you know, watch some of the classics. Like, I definitely think it's a must watch, but whether or not you're going to want to watch it again, that's subjective. See, but, yeah. that's so funny. I've seen that movie so many times and I was telling Jess earlier that a lot of people, because of the title, they think it's going to be like this bloodbath of a movie. And there's literally like no blood in the movie or hardly any at all. I said most of what you see, it it makes you think something is going to happen. They show mm. stuff without actually showing stuff. And then your, your mind fills in the blanks and what you create in your head is more horrific than what they're actually showing on the screen. Um, but yeah, I remember I was like 12 or 13 when I watched that for the first time. I watched it in my bedroom by myself. Um, I had one of our mutual friends sleeping over. She wanted nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> so she went to sleep while I stayed up and watched it by myself. And I just remember like after the movie, I felt so disgusted. <laughs> but also like I-, I couldn't get it out of my head. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then every time I've watched it since, I'm like... No, it's totally true. Like, they don't show that much. It's just all in your head. It's, it, it, so I kind of consider that to be more of a psychological movie than an actual, mm. like, gore slasher movie. 
because there is not a lot of blood and they're not really showing the murders. You think they are, but they're not. So interesting. I might have to give it a rewatch. All righty. Uh, so, Jess, what are your thoughts on the paranormal outside of the movies? Do you believe in ghosts or in hauntings? I do. I totally do. Yay. Yeah. Add team, me to your club. Team ghost. <laughs> um, have you or has anyone in your family ever experienced anything that was seemingly unexplainable? Um, possibly paranormal, maybe not a haunting, but just something outside of our realm of possibility? perhaps? Well, I have quite a few experiences I would call more like mystical than I would call paranormal or ghost, but things that sort of allow me to really truly believe that there's something beyond what we can see in here. Would you mind sharing an example? Sure. Um, Well, I've had a couple of sessions with folks who are channels, a couple of um, sessions with folks who are... um, Oh, God, my brain, words, mediums, mediums. (laughs) Um, And I think one of the most powerful, (laughs) this is like way off topic from your podcast. Um, One of the most powerful experiences I've had of the mystical is my daughter's birth, which um, she was uh, basically born not breathing after 40 hours of labor and the when she was basically yanked out of me because her both of her arms were behind her back uh she was placed on a table and the room filled with doctors and nurses and they started breathing for her and she was they were breathing for her for five full minutes and um and mark was at my head my partner her dad and he said she's so beautiful and our midwife said go talk to her. She'll recognize your voice. And he said, Sequoia, I love you. And she raised up her arms in that baby reflex and started breathing <gasps> from that moment. Oh my God. And to me, it felt that her, her essence, her spirit, her being needed to be told it was okay to be here. And that to me is the most powerful experience of the mystical that I've ever had. So I have to tell that story. <laughs> I never heard that story. I've heard I've heard a lot of stories about how difficult the birth was, but I've never heard that part of it. That's beautiful. I have Thank goosebumps. You. Seriously, that's, she's seriously wow. like the most amazing child ever. So yeah. <laughs> pretty cool. She had to be told to come. But yeah. I, oh, I have I have a I have another. Um, Ooh. When I was growing up, we had um, a building just behind my house where people lived who had mental illnesses and they walked the neighborhood and basically took over the park that was right around the corner from my house. And um, and so we kind of got to know these characters. They were like part of our neighborhood. And they all smoked cigarettes, all of them. And I remember one day walking home from school towards the park, towards my house, and I'm looking at all these people smoking and I'm thinking to myself and by myself, I'm not speaking out loud. I say, I wonder why they all smoke. And a woman who lived there because I recognized her, she walked past me and she said, you want to know why we smoke? I'll tell you why we smoke. And then she (laughs) walked past me and I never got the end of that story. (laughs) Oh my God. Wow. That was pretty mystical and A little psychic connection there. There was, for real. Very interesting. 
I like that she didn't tell you. She just muttered and kept going. She was like, it's perfect I'm answer. Just leave you hanging. <laughs> just confirming that I wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We just want to know before you embark on this invest. <laughs> before you embark on this adventure, Jessica. How are you feeling? Are you nervous? Excited? Oh, both? I'm so nervous. You have to give me tips. Like, how am I supposed to do this? And and like, like, what should I be looking for to get into your frame of mind before I begin one I of mean, these movies? Just watch it. And we don't want you to have our frame of mind. Just right. let yourself go into it open, I guess. Just open yourself up to maybe experiencing something that you wouldn't necessarily experience for yourself like you wouldn't choose that for yourself but keep an open mind and um another thing i told jessica earlier mindy um yeah. was that a lot of horror movies they reflect a political oh, discussion yes. going on during the time when they were made and i told her a little bit about um you know some of the the background like the political aspects of texas chainsaw massacre um but you know try and and see if there's something that you can fill in, you know, about how, how did this relate to the times? You know, why was this made? Is this w- trying to make another statement other than just like slaughtering teenagers? And some movies are made just because I think people wanted to make a movie where there was gratuitous sex and nudity and, you know, murder and blood. Um, but there is definitely, I think, more to these movies than people generally give them credit for. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. And... You know, it's not real. (laughs) It's just a movie. It's just a movie. Yeah. The one thing I was going to say, too, is I always like my apartment's tiny, um, but I still am very clear about the fact that I know before I start a movie that I know that I'm the only one in the apartment and (laughs) I know that the doors are securely locked. And that's a huge help. I will tell you. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, and just, you know, after the movie, just write down your thoughts just so you, like, can remember them. And if you don't like them, don't think you're going to hurt our feelings. Like, be honest. Tell us that, you know, I hated that. Why the fuck did you make me watch that? (laughs) I literally said that to Sharon on one of our recent episodes. (laughs) What movie was that? Oh, Uh, Redneck Redneck Zombies. Zombies. (laughs) Yep. Like, I almost texted her watching the movie and was like, I'm not doing this. I'm sorry. I know I paid $2 for this on Amazon, but I'm not watching the rest of this movie. But that was the point of that experiment was to watch really bad horror movies. Um, Yes. Well, you know, we wish you all the best, Jessica. Remember to lock your doors and most importantly, have fun with it. So we are going to be checking back with Jessica uh, in a few weeks and see how she's feeling and sleeping (laughs) once the experiment's over um but yeah i'm super excited to talk with you after you watch these movies and if you have any questions you know just text us or call us or whatever thanks guys i'm also really interested to hear if like like your specific impressions like if there's anything that resonates with you in a certain way and why or maybe you don't know why or just because these opinions are subjective and everybody's different. And like maybe you I'm just wondering if maybe you'll pick something out of like a nightmare on Elm Street that we've seen a thousand times that like Sharon and I have never thought about. So I think all the movies that we picked for the most part all have a kind of a badass female protagonist. So she might nice. like that. 
Mm. Yeah, we're not going to talk about, I'll stop talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, except to say that that's one of my favorite female antagonists. Protagonist or antagonist? Oh, sorry, protagonist. I just whispered <laughs> too. I don't, I don't know why I did that. I'm not in the room with you. Weird. <laughs> well, good, good luck, Jess. Thanks, ladies. I'm excited. All Thanks right. for having me. Thank you. All right. Well, it has now been four weeks since we last talked with Jessica, but thanks to the magic of editing, or should I say the magic of Spencer, our editor, <laughs> we are on to the second part of our discussion with Jessica. Jessica, welcome back. Thank you. So Mindy and I are both dying to know what your thoughts on the five movies that we had you watch are. I'm going with, it's going to be one of uh, three responses from you, either A, you love them and you are now a huge horror movie fan, B, you hated them, you regret me ever marrying your brother and you need years of therapy, (laughs) or C, you enjoyed some but not others and maybe you may choose to watch more horror movies in the future. Uh, Which category would you say you fall into after this little experiment? (laughs) Oh, well, yeah, I'm definitely C. Okay, woo! I'm glad it was not me. Spencer, we... You're out, Sharon. <laughs> we can stay married. Cancel that divorce, I was Laura. waiting tensely over here. She's going to be <laughs> st- straight up B. Get out of my house. <laughs> All right. Um, so before we go through each of the movies, I just want to know a little bit about how you watched the movies. Did you watch them alone or with someone? I watched them all with my partner, Mark, except... For the last maybe like half an hour of Nightmare on Elm Street, Mark was like, I got to go to bed. And I'm like, I have to finish this. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the only time I had alone. All right. Uh, Lights on or off? Oh, it was night. The lights were totally off. Definitely. Set in the mood, creepy mood. Nice. You answered my third question at night or during the day. Yeah, you know, I have a 10-year-old. Like, I can't watch a horror movie in the middle of the day. (laughs) There's no way I can get away with that. I mean, you could if you were raising someone like little Mindy or Sharon. (laughs) Okay, okay. True, true. All right. Which is scary. It's not as effective, I think, sometimes. Because it's easier during the day to be like, oh, but it's light out. There's no creepy Freddy hiding in the corner shadow that I can't really tell what it is but it's totally not Freddy Krueger you know what I mean like (laughs) I agree horror movies just lose their magic if you watch them in the daytime yeah all right so let's go through each of the movies one by one starting with the first movie you watch which is Psycho so 2020 is actually the 60th anniversary of Mm. Psycho by the way happy anniversary Psycho (laughs) (laughs) all right so Jessica what are your thoughts and overall impressions on Psycho. Okay, so we're going general. I thought this movie was great. I love Psycho. I don't, I mean, that's the wrong (laughs) word. That is so the wrong word. I didn't love it. I enjoyed it. I, I mean, Alfred Hitchcock is pretty much a genius, right? And there is probably the sense of time that we have and sort of the sense of nostalgia watching a movie like that that affects our experience of it, right? So I don't know if that's why I liked it because it had this sense of the 19, what was it? 1960, right? Um, But the way that it's shot and the dialogue and the way that they introduce Norman Bates and like what he says in his initial meeting with her 
is so endearing and I was so interested in him as a character and I was so fascinated with how the whole thing played out because I I knew that he was technically like the bad dude, right? But I was still on board with the way the story was going to unfold. I was still thinking like there was a mom there and maybe it was her. And you know, like I was still, I didn't know. Like after all these years of living on this planet and having you in my family, I didn't know <laughs> how the story ends. Um, so generally, good movie. Um, I wondered if that our introduce, introduction as a culture to the idea of the sociopath, right? Like the idea of someone who's just so far off the mark in terms of connecting with humans um, appropriately. And then uh, and then it leads to this really dark place that we've come as a culture of assuming someone with a mental illness is a sociopath and is dangerous and violent. And so it's really problematic in a lot of ways in our world right now, but it's also fascinating. Yeah. And a couple of things I want to touch on that you said. So one, we actually did an episode a while back um, about nature versus nurture. And um, we talked about someone who is born a sociopath or a psychopath. And it's a very, very, very small percentage, like one to two percent of those people who are actually violent just because they can't feel empathy does not mean they are going to go out and murder someone. Right. Um. Also, <laughs> you talked about how you love the dialogue. Spencer and I watched Psycho last night just to refresh our memories. And Spencer actually commented on the dialogue and said, the dialogue's just so unnatural. I want to rewrite this movie. Oh, funny. <laughs> and make the dialogue seem much more natural. He's like, people don't talk like that. And I was like, well, maybe they did back in 1960s. He's I think like, it's no. a stylized choice. It's stylized. <laughs> and that's maybe why I liked it, right? Like, yeah. that it wasn't natural. It's not yeah. real. Yeah. It's it's a story and it's sort of like this a stage production is yeah. what it felt like to me. Where and that was something that made it okay almost, right? Like I could get into it because I knew it wasn't real because it didn't really feel real. It didn't feel like this dude was gonna come get me. Yeah. Mindy, any thoughts on this? No, I just I agree completely. I mean, that movie, of course, obviously, you know, there's so much that's already been said about it, but like just just kind of what you were saying about um did you mention time at some point I feel like you did but I was thinking about like his long lingering shots and of course like the drain and the shower scene and all that and so mm -hmm. of course the dialogue is stylized because like this is you're right it's not our reality and everything is a bit off that's why it's kind of creepy but you don't know you can't put your finger on it that's what I love about that movie because it gets under your skin but you don't even know it is doing so until it's too late. <laughs> and her in the car with the rain. Yeah. And the windshield. Yeah. I mean, that, right. Those long moments on her face. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everything about it was really beautiful. And I agree with um, Norman Bates's character. It was just he's so fascinating. And you learn a little bit about his backstory through like that long exposition at, at the, the end. end. Yeah. Um, it was another thing Spencer was like, I don't really think he said all that information to the cop. It's <laughs> extrapolated I'm by like, the psychologist. I'm like, ruining this. <laughs> Suspension of disbelief. But I also, I was like, well, he's a cop, so he probably was not given all that information, but he, you know, that's what a cop does, or a detective. They fill in the blanks from the information, so he, he probably put more of a picture together in his head than yeah. what was actually given to him by Norman Bates. Well, he was a psychologist or a psychiatrist or something, right? Who was giving the whole explanation of the murder. Oh, yeah. I, or doctor somebody. You know, you're probably right. right. Um, I was like, 
doing a little bit of other things while I was watching it. <laughs> well, you can do that. <laughs> I've seen it a couple of times that I was like, all right, I want to rewatch this just to have it like more fresh in my head. But you are probably right. No. We'll see. You'll watch it again. Um, so a lot of people consider Psycho to be one of the first slasher films ever made. Certainly, I think it's one of the first American slashers ever made. There's a movie called Peeping Tom that I have not seen that's from the UK that's considered to be the first slasher movie by many people. Um, definitely going to have to put that on my list. That movie looks really interesting. A few other just fun facts about Psycho. I'm sure you might have heard this before, uh, but Psycho was really controversial for its times for many reasons. Uh, It was um, one of the first movies, I believe, that showed a shot of an unwed man and woman in bed together. Right. Scandalous. So scandalous. So many (laughs) Um, pearl, so much pearl clutching happening. Oh, my God. (laughs) And he was divorced. Right, right. (laughs) It also had a shot of an uncovered female bottom. Yeah. Which actually belonged to Janet Leigh's body double. And that was actually censored in some versions of the film. And perhaps the most hilarious uh, is the image of a toilet being flushed. Psycho is said to be one of the first films where a toilet is shown being flushed in a movie, which. What? Yeah, that's cool. (gasps) Okay. Heavens to Betsy. Um, But yeah, that's and also did either of you know that Psycho was based on a book? Because I just found this out yesterday. No. I had heard that but never really looked it up so I not really I mean what book is it tell us well so it actually says if you pay attention to the credits it says that it's based on the book um, or novel by Robert Block which was written in 1959 okay. uh, the book is also titled Psycho and it's loosely inspired by the story of killer Ed Gein and apparently Hitchcock read the book decided that he had to adapt the book to film and then he had his well this was rumored that he had his assistant purchase as many copies of the book as possible to keep it out of the public's hands because he didn't want anyone knowing the story until he (gasps) turned it into a film Uh, exactly wow yeah, and it's not really known how many copies of the book that Hitchcock managed to get his hands on, um, but it's generally thought that he came close to purchasing every copy that was on the shelves during that time. That is familiar to me, actually. Yeah, that is such I, an interesting detail. Yeah. All right, so we're one for one so far. Yeah. Let's chug right along and go to Halloween Um just really quick, Jessica, before you give us your thoughts on that movie, when Halloween was released, it was such a low budget film that no one really expected it to do well, but it was trailing on the success of other 70s horror movies, and it also happened to be released during the golden age of serial killers. Hmm. It was said that there were around 120 active serial killers in the 70s, and that number increased to over 200 in the 80s. So That they know of. That they, yes, that should be said, that they actually know of. So, yeah, it, it's crazy that such a small independent film ended up being this huge blockbuster that produced so many different sequels. And I mean, like Michael Myers is probably one of the most well known movie villains that I don't think you need. Jessica, back me up. If you saw an image of Michael Myers, would you know that that was Michael Myers? Before seeing before this movie? Seeing, yeah. 
No. No. Okay. All right. Well, scrap what I just said. <laughs> I mean, a normal person probably would, but I think I've turned away from any of that stuff to the point where I don't know the difference between Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger. You know, like I don't. Yeah, I do now. Know. I do now. I do now. All right. I've been edumacated. <laughs> <laughs> and you've seen. I mean, there. We were just talking. I feel like about a recent movie that you still see reflections of Halloween in today. Like it's just. So, I. It's so influential. It's almost staggering i think and it's a horror movie awesome all right so this is your um your first kind of like teenage slasher (laughs) film that you watched uh what were your thoughts on halloween i did not like this movie no okay this movie is fucking awful (laughs) i'm sorry okay Okay. why (laughs) we want to hear why letter i'm very interested to know why read us the ride act i'm gonna be totally honest do it I was bored. Whoa. I was bored. I was like, I, I found myself like looking around the room and I'm like, oh, I'm bored. What's going on? This movie is not capturing my attention at all. I'm not scared. I don't give a shit about Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. Huh. She was distracting. She was cute. She was super cute in the beginning. And I was like, fuck, yes, this is great that there is an actress who looks so very strange playing a, a role in a movie that apparently gained a lot of popularity. And then, of course, she went on to be incredibly well-known as an actress. But she's very odd-looking in this movie. And I love that about it, right? But towards the end, when he is attacking her, and she is just like, eh, 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 it's disgusting. <laughs> and I am so horribly grossed out by this idea of teenagers being sexually active and then being slaughtered. That is just the most horrific concept and I understand that this is the base of who you guys are and this is like a deep part of your understanding of the world but it's gross (laughs) and sexist and horrible so funny that you mentioned that because I was when I was doing some research yesterday, I was actually reading something from uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, who said when they made the movie, they actually had zero intention of making it like this. Um, you know, if you have sex, you're evil, you're going to get killed. And if you're pure and chaste, you're going to survive. They said that they the reason it just happened that way is because the other people were so preoccupied that they didn't mm. notice anything weird was going on and that's why they ended up dying and then it just turned into this whole like virgin versus non-virgin right. thing that has been used over and over and over and I'm not saying that like other movies don't use that as their premise like Friday the 13th the rest of which them. we'll yeah get to <laughs> in a little bit but um they did not intend that when they wrote it according to them right right well, all of that sexist, misogynist stuff is on in our unconscious as humans. I mean, of course, they didn't mean to write it that way, but it's there. It's it's part of, you know, and then, of course, people watch it and they get titillated. And then it's like, eh, eh. anyway, good point. It's gross. But I, <laughs> I was bored and I was annoyed, but I was there for the ride. So let me be clear about that. I was totally there for the ride. Um, Yeah. Mindy, what do you have to say about um anything that Jessica? I mean, it's interesting because... Uh, to be clear, Sharon and I, are, our lives are and morality is not built on, you know, don't have sex before marriage or you're, <laughs> you're going to get murdered. But no. you're right. It is a it is a very stereotypical horror movie trope. It, your, your response was very thoughtful. And so I'm I'm mulling it over. But I mean, hey, I I 
this isn't for everybody. We said that at the beginning, and I, <laughs> I still think you're cool, even if you don't like Halloween. But <laughs> thanks, Mindy. <laughs> it's just interesting because you are. I mean, you're right, and and that's been discussed and brought up in subsequent of horror course. movies, of course, like sexism yeah, and all that kind of stuff. New. Yeah, but like. It, it's definitely there and it was definitely something subconsciously that we all took in growing up. I think if I had seen this movie when I was like anywhere from 12 to 18 in at a different time in, in life with, you know, the 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 landline only, yeah. and, you know, j- j- all of that. I, I, I get that. I could see why that would be really fucking scary. Yeah. Is it, watch, watching a movie like that as a grown woman. Who is like, had, you know, you've already gone through like the whole conversations in your head about like sexism and, you know, misogyny and. Yeah, yeah. And everything that you're like, I'm not dumb enough to fall for this. Right, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I talked myself out of it. No, that's a really, really good point. Yeah. Because that's. Yeah. Yeah. When you see it as a kid, it's kind of like, you know, I know people who have just watched the Goonies for the first time as an adult and they're like this is so dumb and I'm Ugh. like what is wrong with you like yes. no this is brilliant but I I will never know because I grew up on that movie I have a deep love and it brings up so many feelings and emotions and memories for me watching it that I I just love that movie so much but as an adult if I just saw it for the first time now I might think it's a really dumb movie so it's it's kind of along the same lines you know and there are so there was a movie just recently I was watching that was older and I caught myself going because it with with pandemic I like talk to myself as I watch or talk to the tv as I watch movies and television and I was saying it was an older movie and I like was making myself laugh and said oh why don't you get out your cell phone and call 911 you idiot but like for real and with Halloween it like now Jamie Lee Curtis I could see a teenager watching that movie now and be like why isn't your cell phone in your back pocket? What's a landline? What do you mean he cut the phone lines? How can you do that? Like, you know, that I, I can't even fathom coming from that perspective. But before we move on, there was kind of a few um, bits of trivia that I found that connected all the movies that you watched. So John Carpenter actually considered the hiring of Jamie Lee Curtis for Halloween as the ultimate tribute to Alfred Hitchcock, who had given her mother, Janet Lee, legendary status in Psycho. So he actually like wanted her for the role because her mother was in Psycho. I got goosebumps right now. I'm not even kidding. Aw. (laughs) All right, let's move on to the next movie, which is A Nightmare on Elm Street. All right, Jessica, I'm kind of scared. We're we're one and one now. What were your thoughts on Nightmare on Elm Street? Okay, I like this movie. Yeah! (laughs) I did. It was better. This is one of my favorites, I have to say. I loved seeing Johnny Depp. I was completely like you said, oh, Johnny Depp is in this. I was like, what? I had no idea. I did not know that he was in this movie. Like, I guess his next thing was 21 Jump Street. I think think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. I love seeing him as a kid. Oh, he's so yummy. With his little crop shirt. Oh, with his (laughs) belly. And yeah, so I loved that. That was endearing and made me go for it. Um, I (laughs) love that. In the credits, it even says introducing Johnny Depp. How did they know? Right. Right. How did they know? Mark was like, I'm going to go to bed. You're like, okay, I need some alone time now. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's me and Johnny Depp. Um, But I think it was like right before he dies. Uh, Spoiler. I'm allowed to say that, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Good, because your crowd is like. (laughs) Um, Okay, I loved 
Nancy. I loved yeah. her as a character. Yes, she's right? also kind of not your typical Hollywood beauty. I and love her. But I, she's beautiful, just as totally Jamie Lee Curtis beautiful. is, but not your yes. blonde, busty, you know. Like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something yes. like that. Like she's not portrayed that way. She's not. Well, of course, this is again like the virginal hero, right? <laughs> right. But, but also she's strong and interesting and I was totally drawn into her character so yay um but again right the fucking virgin who is <laughs> going to conquer the villain right like but is she a virgin we we don't know that well, for sure they, I mean she's dating Johnny Depp how the hell I was gonna she say, say a right? <laughs> but she said he's like oh morality sucks they are not making out while their friends are making out at the beginning I uh, mean yeah. but okay so we're assuming she's the virgin but we don't actually know true true we don't know but right there's a sense with that she's different from her friend right. who gets killed at the beginning yes. right yeah yeah so that's that's clear um I was more interested in this story than I was in Halloween I was like just curious watching these teenagers and the fact of the dreams and the yeah I was just more interested um yeah I I wrote down what's with the mother. What a weird character. <laughs> like ju- just as a side note, like just the her. Act, yeah, I don't know who, who what that character was about. Like she was just this like sort of empty. <laughs> I don't know. I was just fascinated with her as the character too. And that whole monologue where she like gives the exposition to Nancy, like she tells her the whole backstory, and is she's like, no, it's okay, honey, and and she has his fucking spoiler alert. She has his his gloves like that creeps me out every time because she's like no it's okay honey everything's fine mommy killed him and I'm like what the how but I think she's it's sort of implied she's like heavily sedated right like right I mean you'd have to be probably but I found it um Definitely, I could see where it was influenced by Halloween just by seeing these two movies side by side right like the dad of um, one of the characters in Halloween, her father was a police officer as well. Oh, right. As yeah. was Nancy's, right? So there's a lot of commonality. There's even a scene where Nancy puts on like the white boy's button up shirt with the collar, right? That's like very similar to the character. I can't remember the friend's name in Halloween who goes outside to the laundry room and gets locked in. And yeah. she's just wearing that shirt. Um so just interesting sort of nods to that movie. I, I was able to notice that, right, from a cinematography point of view. Um, I really don't ever want to watch it again, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Or the other seven sequels. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to. Um, but I but I was I was cool. I was okay. Okay. And so did you think this was scary? Were there parts that scared you? I don't think I was really scared. I mean, I think I was, like, brought in and, like, like kind of the dreams were yucky and I was you know there are a couple of jumpy moments but I wasn't really scared I've been I've no I wasn't really scared okay I didn't find it that fair scary. enough fair enough um Mindy do you know where the storyline came from like how Wes Craven came up with Freddy Krueger didn't we talk about this on another episode but we- nope no we talked about the serial killer that was the Freddy Krueger, like the oh, basically right, he right. killed people because of he was influenced by Freddy Krueger. So I I think I've heard this story, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. So lay it on us. I'm gonna I'm gonna say you might not have. I don't know. Maybe you have, but this this was like all new to me, and I 
found this really, really, um, found this to be really, really fascinating. Uh, so this comes from wickedhorror.com. So there's actually two elements uh, to this. So the basis for Freddy Krueger came to Wes Craven from a terrifying situation. Craven stated in the documentary Never Sleep Again, the Elm Street legacy, that looking out his window one night as a young child, he saw an old man. The old man spotted him and young Wes jumped back to hide. After some time passed, Wes crept back to the window. He looked down and saw the old man was still there in the shadows, waiting. The man smiled malevolently and motioned to scare the boy. The scenario haunted him well into adulthood, and he did not know what to do with it until he came across a series of fascinating newspaper articles that eventually inspired him to write the screenplay for A Nightmare on Elm Street. The um, article was about a Laotian refugee man, actually Laotian refugee men, who were dying in their sleep. Healthy young men were found dead for no reason understood by the medical community. Speculation led to the possibility of anything from an irregular heartbeat to simply being frightened to death in their sleep. Craven's specific interest in this story focused on a young Cambodian boy that refused to go back to sleep after a series of bad dreams. The nights wore on him until he could no longer resist the foe that eventually sneaks up on us all. He fell asleep. His parents were relieved until they heard him screaming in terror as he passed away. Similar to Nancy Thompson, the parents discovered the boy hid a pot of coffee under his bed to keep awake, and the sleeping pills that his parents had given to him were found unused beneath his pillow. Isn't that crazy? Was that wow? Does that sound familiar to you? Because I don't think I've ever heard that at all. I thought I remembered hearing that there was. Something that Wes Craven had read about that inspired him, but that was as far as it went. Um, and that rem- that that reminded me. That's the other thing about this movie that sticks with me. Because um, I don't I don't know that I necessarily ever found it particularly scary per se, but like the, like the dream sequences and the the visuals were all very stunning to me as a kid and even still now. But not when you can't sleep and like speaking as someone who does suffer from insomnia on a somewhat regular basis, like, Oh man, that's the worst. And it really does mess with your reality when you're like trying to function during the day in like everyday life. So that would always really bother me towards the end when Nancy's like trying to stay awake. Cause it like only makes it worse. And Oh, like that's like this whole other element to that movie that creeps me out is that like your one refuge is not safe. That's crazy. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> That's horrifying. Just as a concept, yeah. That's a scarier thought than the movie actually was to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, at least you liked it. So we are two in one, although I think we're going to get tied up really <laughs> quickly because next we are talking about Friday the 13th, and I'm pretty sure I know what your impressions on this are going to be. So let's hear them. Okay, I liked this movie. Really? I like this movie better than the others. I mean, I like Psycho best of all, but I like this one better. Um, Because, dude, they're at camp. (laughs) I love camp. It's so pretty. It's like the boats and the kids and they're like kind of cool kids. Like they can do stuff, you know, they're like not inept. Like they're like, you know, anyway, I liked it. Um, Oh, and Kevin Bacon. What? Yes. Kevin Bacon. I love Kevin Bacon. Like um, a baby Kevin Bacon. Baby Kevin Bacon. He d- had like zero 
acting capacity in this movie, but I don't know why he went on to be famous like Johnny Depp did among any of those other people. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was literally campy. It's the beauty in the woods. I liked the feel of it, honestly. Um, I, you know, I like made me think about camp and like this townie versus the camper coming together, converging like, oh, those weird campers and oh, those weird townies. And, you know, like there were just a lot of things that allowed me to get into it. I'm going to say that as it gets gross, like as it gets awful, I'm still having these same thoughts about like, wow, these sexually active kids have to be punished for their behavior, you know, and just sucks and just annoying. Um, But then it's. It's who is doing all of this? It's this mother who has been wronged, who there's a reason for her to be acting this way towards these young campers who are sexually active because they were being intimate while her kid was killed, right? Or died while her kid died. So again, I'm giving away the whole movie, but I'm assuming (laughs) that all of your audience knows that. Um, So I felt empathy for her. I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah, kill them all. You know, like my kid died. That's terrible. Yes, revenge. Um, So I kind of, I was like able to go there in my mind for her. And I was, you know, I the reveal of who it was was great. I was interested in, in that and how, and the like, um, the nod to Psycho, right? That she's like give, doing her son's voice. Mm. right like how Norman Bates did that with his mom right so that was interesting to me um I totally knew at the beginning of the movie that Alice was going to be the last one standing right she's the like sort of more innocent character the more like somehow there was something about her that instantly I was like yep she's going to be the hero right (laughs) (laughs) I don't know um maybe now that I've seen two I'm a total expert on horror movies I mean, there, it's a very similar formula. Yeah. So, yeah. You only need to watch a few right. before you're like, all right. I get it. Final girl. Uh, you're all dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the first one who's going to die. Right. Um, so, yeah, I loved that um, there were no children who got killed. And it was just the mom, <laughs> the, the, the adult, the teenagers. Right. Of course. But like there was a part of me I'm like, oh, the kids are going to come and they're all going to get killed, too. Right. But I guess maybe that happens in the sequel. I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think there's any, uh, I'm trying to think about Corey Feldman, how, no, Corey Feldman doesn't get killed until he's an adult, right? He comes back, like, later as an adult, because yeah. Corey Feldman's in, like, two of the movies. Oh, well, that's a reason for me to watch more, I guess. Really? <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know you were a Corey fan. Well, Goonies. Oh, oh that's true, that's true. Um, just maybe rethink that whole sequel idea, though. <laughs> don't do it <laughs> I don't know well Spencer and I did like a whole um we just started binging all of them and we made it to like seven or eight um some of them are actually actually I think the first second and third ones are all really good the fourth one god I can't remember I, definitely I think five and six go downhill a lot and then when Jason goes to Manhattan that's just I mean <laughs> yeah it's just ridiculous and then there's it's just a, fun there's a jason versus freddy too by the way yes Jess, which i've never seen but i'm not really interested so and then i'm gonna say the end right yeah the like the oh. surprise ending i was i was kind of annoyed because it took it i mean i understand we have to have this villain that is going to move on and have all these sequels but like it just took it from the real world into now like now it's a ghost movie like it's a like it's supernatural mm. suddenly. 
I remember being, my parents were still married when I saw the ending of um, Friday the 13th. And so, God, I was probably like seven or eight when I saw the image of like young Jason, like all deformed and covered in like slime and whatever, just like grab that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and so I just remember like every other time I watched that movie, I like I was prepared for it, but it still just always like scared the crap out of me. Did that? How did you react to that? Was that like a surprise? Were you expecting a big jump scare? No, I was not expecting that at all. I think I was just more like, what? <laughs> How did they do that? Like, wait, that was not supposed to happen. You know, she's going to get saved. But of course, of course, it's going to happen. I mean, I don't know. And it, did it work? Did you jump? Um, I kind of did. I didn't jump as much. Like I, like, I almost wonder if I was just like I had tuned out. Like I was like, oh, the movie's over. Uh-huh. You know, and I didn't I wasn't conscious enough to be scared or something but um yeah that was weird I don't know I guess I guess it was a a a cool way for it to end right like that was a appropriate okay so all right this kind of shocked me but yes you you spent a lot of time in summer camp when you grew up yeah um so I can see how this you could kind of relate to this more um and you're right I do kind of like the uh the feeling kind of like the warm feeling you get from like it's summer and yeah there's like this beautiful camp and oh and yeah I'm trying to remember did you find this to be like overly gory or bloody um it was grody I guess (laughs) I'm (laughs) I can't remember now was if there was like a ton of blood but like you see you definitely see them get killed but you don't see all of their bodies i'm trying to remember you definitely see the mom's head get you see that yeah and that was like weird and um strangely rolling on the beach a few times (laughs) but the juxtaposition right of like this warm beautiful surroundings and then just like gore and death and scary moments like being in that bathroom and just like i felt like they must have filmed that at an actual camp just those sinks and that outdoor facility and the kitchen and the everything was yeah. Oh, so they actually they filmed it at a camp. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, because I was doing research on all these movies yesterday, they filmed it in New Jersey on a camp. The camp has a really funny name, but I cannot remember it off the top of my head. But it was very close to a town in New Jersey called Voorhees, which is I'm assuming is where they got the name Jason Voorhees. Right. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Um, the only other bits of trivia that I have about this is um, the writer of the film, Victor Miller, admitted that he was purposely writing on the success of Halloween when he wrote the script. Uh. Um, and he was kind of inspired by Halloween and also the summer camp movie Meatballs. Oh, yes. Which I, I was going to say, whenever I didn't go to summer camp, but I was actually going to start singing the theme song. When Jess was like, oh, my God, I was thinking about summer camp. And I was going to be like, are you ready for the summer? <laughs> I love that movie. Are you ready for the good times? Yeah, I know. That's that's a movie I need to watch again soon. And then one thing that I just thought was kind of hilarious was that Kevin Bacon shaved his armpits for the bedroom scene. <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> He's so cute. He is. All right. Anyone have any final words on Friday the 13th before we move on to the grand finale? Uh Uh-oh. I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. (sighs) I'm going to take a deep breath. I already already heard Mark's opinion on this when we came in. Oh, I'm interested to hear, actually. (laughs) Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is my favorite of all of them. So don't if you don't have to worry 
you will not hurt my feelings, but let's hear it. <laughs> I think this one goes in the category of fuck you for making me watch this goddamn movie. <laughs> This is disgusting. I can't believe I watched that. That was horrible. I watched that movie through squinted eyes. Oh, my God, you guys. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm serious. You have to describe to me the appeal of these movies. And I mean it. That but- was amazing. Uh, oh, my God. That was awesome. <laughs> this is a movie that I watched to help me fall asleep at night. <laughs> I just don't get it. Okay. This is the only maybe analogy I can come up with for myself in order to really have understanding of you guys is that I love watching show tunes musicals right and I and I think that the reason that I enjoy (laughs) watching them is because I know them right it's like it's familiar I've I've watched them a hundred times the I know the music I can sing along it's like comfortable because I know it I'm not saying that any of those movies are any good or that they aren't full of so much sexism. I just know they're comfortable to me for some reason, right? Just because they were introduced to me at a young age. I think that must be the same for you guys. So I can like get to, that. To be clear, I'm I'm not a big Texas Chainsaw fan. Like I acknowledge that it's part of the horror genre and a lot of people really like it. I actually did rewatch it um, before this this recording just because I wanted I'd only seen it once like many years ago myself um, um any more thoughts on that Jess? <laughs> but that was I, okay. I that was such an amazing reaction I oh my god that was so funny that what was is really wrong good. with you <laughs> um anything about it that you did like I mean Mark commented on how yes it was super fucked up but he thought it was a brilliant film and that the cinematography was amazing. He just had a really, really emotional impact and was like totally clenching his entire body was basically clenched. There was so much tension at the end that it was, I mean, yeah, I rewatched it last night as well. Um, and like I said, I've seen this movie a bunch of times before and I, I know I told you guys there wasn't a ton of blood and I really, I stand by that for a movie called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There should be way more blood, but the blood that you see, it's more of blood that's like aftermath. There's <laughs> very little actual, I think, I mean, Mindy, we've seen movies where you see hooks going through people's eyes. I know. And into their backs and you see limbs and guts getting torn out. You don't see any of that in this movie. It's To be fair, you don't. He puts her on a meat hook. But you don't see it. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure. This is the thing about, this is one of the points I wanted to make. It's the implication Exactly, and but that's exactly what big, I told you guys. But you, you fill do in the though. Blanks. She finds her. She does like find her dead friends, and he is wearing a a mask of human flesh. So, like, I mean, I was actually the other point I was going to make is I had forgotten how like intricate whoever that set designer was. Like, props to them and the set dressers, especially during like the dinner scene. Like, I I, I realized how intricate the set was, which I was like drunk at a Halloween party the first time I saw it. So obviously like I wasn't thinking about that at the time. Um, And I did notice, I I would agree with Mark that I noticed that in the cinematography a lot more watching it now (laughs) as an adult sober. But I I still think it's a fairly traumatic 
movie and I I do think that Jessica's reaction is kind of justified I've never been a huge fan of this movie and I mean it is what it is I, I, I think for me it's so over the top that I tune out kind of in the same way Jess I was I, I've said this with Sharon a lot where I'm like I have a problem with movies if I can't get on board with one of the characters and like you were saying about Halloween like there have been other I'm trying to think of ones where Sharon and I, you and I have really disagreed, but um, Texas Chainsaw, I'm, I'm just like, eh, I don't really care if any of them live or die, so the house is cool. I just wanted them to kill her because I felt so bad for her, like put her out of her misery. <laughs> did you like that she survived? I did like that she survived, yes. But at well, what cost, No, though? but at the same time, I was like, at what cost, right? Like her, the trauma that she has to live with theoretically, right? I, I don't know why, but this movie does psychologically, like I, like, I mean, I watched it and then was able to fall asleep fine after, but like psychologically, I'd say out of the bunch, this one I think is the most fucked up, which I think is worse than the gore for me. Absolutely. This- and But to be fair, that's exactly what I said to you guys. I said when I first watched this, I was like 12 and I was like, what the fuck did I just see? Like, obviously, you know at that age that was probably the worst of the horror movies I had witnessed at that point and it did leave a huge impact on me but it it just I could not get that movie out of my head and over the years I rewatched it and rewatched it and rewatched it and it kind of like you get used to it a little bit (laughs) um but at the same time it it a movie that like just sticks with you like that and like haunts you like that yeah yeah I have to say that's a really well done movie. Like it does what it intends to do. And I also did say that while it does not show a ton of gore, like you do not see the meat hook going into her back, your mind fills in the blanks for you. I did say that as well in our first discussion on this. I said that while it doesn't show as much as you would think with a name like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there's so much um you know it's it's the sound of the chainsaw it's the sound of her screaming you have the these music cues that are like these sharp like metal like grinding noises going on the whole thing just creates it makes you so uneasy i was thinking i kind of want to rewatch it with the sound off and see it would be so different yeah i i guarantee just the visuals alone would not bother you that much. I think the sound in this has so much to do with the soundscape. The yeah. soundscape is almost like her screaming and panting yeah. and like just gagging like the whole time. And it was really hard at a certain point for me to figure out what was um, what was soundscape music created versus what was her voice. Yeah, it all yeah. blended into this really chaotic, like mind boggling freak out for me and I just that was yes I think you're right I think the sound made a huge and the and the acting I think was actually really good like that yeah I was freaked out by the meat hook because she made me believe she had a meat hook in her you know like that was some more my brain decided that that was awful and you know believable somehow but and there's a good documentary on this that I watched a long, long time ago, but they talk a lot about the making of the the movie. And it's so fascinating because they did it on such a small budget and they did it in a really short amount of time. And the actress that played Sally was saying that her terror in that last scene was pretty legit because at that time, I think that like 
10 minute dinner scene took 26 hours straight to film oh my god they were in this house with no air conditioning no fans it was like 110 degrees in texas summer the meat on the table was literally like rotting so fast that like the smell was just like putrid she had to keep like throwing up she had you know she was tied up in this chair she had these like actors like taunting her and like so she's like I was really that terrified that's why it looks so authentic um and then there was like a scene at the end where the hitchhiker when he like gets killed and he's laying on the ground and he was like I was laying there for the shot and he's like I could literally hear my skin sizzling on the pavement pavement because it was that hot like the actors all of them I mean Leatherface he his costumes were so heavy and warm and just I mean he's like he was like almost dying of like heat exhaustion so Toby Hooper is sad he's like I kind of put my my actors through hell I think they all hated me by the end of it but it was so effective that you know it just came across um to the viewer so I I have to say I give it credit for that um Jessica when we talked to you last time you talked about how Poltergeist was one of your I think first horror movies or one that you remember like really scaring you uh same director I don't know if you realized no I didn't know that yeah Toby Hooper directed Poltergeist to be fair there's always the big discussion about who really directed Poltergeist was it Steven Spielberg or Toby Hooper but they're very different movies obviously so dude's got range (laughs) (laughs) for sure um so I did want to read a little bit more because we also talked about some of the political undertones um, during uh, our last discussion. We talked about how the advance in technology put the Sawyer family out of jobs in the mm. meat industry, which, you know, I guess led them to cannibalism and murder, which I don't know, seems a little extreme to me, but who hey, am I to judge? If you're a meat eater, um, you like your meat, right? Well, funny you should say that because uh, according to an article from Oregon Arts Watch titled Reexamining the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, written by Eric McClanahan, Hooper apparently stopped eating meat while making the film (laughs) and saw the crux of the film as being about meat. The killers in the film had the American dream taken away when their jobs at the slaughterhouse were rendered obsolete by technological advances. America was also in a dark place during the film's initial release with racial tensions, a struggling economy, Vietnam, and Watergate. In another article from Esquire, Hooper said, I was reacting to life around me as I knew it. The film was, to me, a part of what I felt like when we were moving into the future. An example of that is in the van, you hear the news on the radio a couple of times, and it has all these horrible stories about, you know, like an office building in Atlanta collapsing, um, and just other horrible things that weren't real, but he said it was a reflection of my feelings about the political environment, and it was coming from a part of my reality. That's interesting. It is interesting. And like I said, you know, when you watch horror movies, sometimes you want to take them as face value, but you have to consider when the movies were made and what was going on in the filmmaker's head and the political environment of that time. And I think sometimes that helps you appreciate a movie better than just like oh he just you know wanted to see like tits and blood (laughs) right yeah yeah something like that yeah and I think that's why like this movie like I said it's not my favorite but I think that's why I I don't like I don't want to say it doesn't bother me but like it is such a huge part of horror legacy I guess and 
I'm kind of okay with that just because I know that to be a fact that it's not just about tits and blood. Like he wasn't just making a torture porn film. It was actually more than that, which it doesn't justify it, but it just somehow makes it. And there's literally, I don't know. I can't articulate There's no tits. There's no, no tits there's no in tits, the movie. Really. There's no nudity. Well. A lot of butt cheeks. There's some butt cheeks, yeah. There's <laughs> some tight clothes. There's some good 70s attire, for sure. We got some hairy chests, even. <laughs> <laughs> to be not, you know, dismissive of the men. I did want to touch a little bit on the cinematography, too. Uh, so this also comes from the article by Eric McClanahan. So the editing by Larry Carroll and Sally Richardson plays a big part in sustaining a grunt a growing sense of fear and anxiety. It's all about misdirection. Cuts often happen in the middle of an action sequence, which is not the norm, oh, uh, giving yeah. the viewer a subconscious feeling of discomfort. The raw, grimy beauty of Daniel Pearl's cinematography was born from his naivete and inexperience. He was actually a college student when the film was made. Oh, um, wow. Which is, yeah, so interesting because there's... I always thought that was intentional. Exactly. And it it wasn't, but it it worked. It's become. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. And then um, what some people have praised as the most gorgeous shot of the film comes when the camera tracks behind a soon to be victim, Terry McMinn, who plays Pam. She's the one that gets put on the meat hook as she approaches Leatherface's house and the camera goes underneath that swinging bench and follows her up so it's like yeah. one continuous shot and that was actually improvised on set Holy we had to shit. rewind that and watch it again for Mark yeah he totally. just wanted to see her, so ass. He see her ass yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow that's really so, cool well while I don't expect you to be like oh well now I love this movie um <laughs> I just wanted to like give you some food for thought to maybe like think some of those things over because I think this is a movie that might stick with you for a few more days oh my gosh I know (laughs) it's I mean I did just watch it last night but yeah it's in there and I will say absolutely Sharon what you said that the movie did its job that it was horrific and that it was very successful in that way yeah and yeah I, I mean it is definitely not for everyone but I appreciate you watching it. I mean, <laughs> better. This is why I said save this one for last. <laughs> I know it's traumatic. Oh, it's well, awful. And I just don't think it's what people think it is when they hear the Texas Chainsaw that's true. Massacre. I had no idea what it was going and to be. And then the yeah. context, putting it in context in terms of what was happening at the time and everything is really, really interesting and helpful. But like in terms of horror in general, like one of the biggest issues that I bitch about all the time is that there have been so many horror movies made that like try to imitate Texas Chainsaw in terms of being like crazy and gory and whatever but don't have substance behind them and that's where I'm like okay you can take your movie and screw like I don't you got if you're gonna go big or go home you better have a good reason and the fact that Toby Hooper kind of did makes me be like okay all right, okay, I'll accept you into the, the horror hall of fame that I just made up. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, Jessica, 
thank you so much for stepping out of your comfort zone and participating in this experiment. Um, I want to hear any like final thoughts yeah. about, you know, how was this experience for you? Do you think you have a new appreciation for horror? Do you think you might like actually choose to watch more horror movies in your future? And if so, Jessica, I have a, pal- a possible palate cleanser for you that I think you'd like that I'd like to suggest. Oh, goody. Um, I'll take it. You, you guys, thank you for encouraging me to go down this road with you. It's really been fun. And I've talked about it with like my friends and people lately. And um, as I've been talking about it, I've been talking about other horror movies that I've watched. And I realized I, I, I kind of do like some horror movies. You know, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not completely opposed to this genre altogether. But it's been... It's been definitely something I would never have done without your uh, forcing me to. (laughs) (laughs) You're buying me dinner and drinks to do so. Whatever Uh, the case may be. But I, yeah, I, I, so I feel like I'm, I've kind of like deepened my connection to our culture, our society in a bigger way by just like having these reference points. So thank you. I won't watch any of them for a second time, no matter what. So don't ask. (laughs) I may watch other movies though. So send them my way. But um, you guys, thanks. All right. Well, (laughs) once again, thank you so much. Uh, Appreciate it. This was fun. And maybe, you know, next Halloween, we'll have you watch some new movies yeah maybe we can shift we can think about like different kinds of horror movies and shift gears and like pick maybe less gore and more psychological and do different we can have all sorts of experiments so come back for more if you want to (laughs) (laughs) after therapy (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) i hope you all found this little experiment as fascinating as we did after we gave jess the list of movies i kept thinking of so many other movies that we could have given her like The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, or The Shining. But the five that we chose were the first ones to pop in my head, and I just feel like everyone should have seen those. There are so many pop culture references that have been made regarding those films, so that was a good place to start. But maybe we can convince her to do another round of movies sometime. But again, thank you all for listening to us. You can send us your list of five horror movies that you think everyone should see. Uh, We can read those on an upcoming show. Also, let us know what you've been watching this October. In our next two episodes, we're going to be discussing the horror movies that we've been watching this Halloween month, good or bad. Uh, Mostly good so far, so... uh, But as always, you can write to us at horrorstalkhorror at gmail.com with all your ghost stories, creepy stories that we can share on our show. Please be kind to each other, be safe, and as always, thanks thanks for for getting getting creepy with us. Sharon, do you want a beer? Uh, Oh my God.